What's going on, everybody? This is Black Men Sundays. I'm your host, Corey Sylvester Murray, and we're talking about generational wealth. We're talking about finance. And of course, we're talking about business. It's a Black Man Sunday. Time to put all childish things away. I refuse to be the man I was yesterday. Gotta put my best and before we introduce today's guest, my man Eric from Huntsville, Alabama, aka Hunts Vegas. Who do you have for our Black Men Sunday spotlight? Hey, thanks, Corey. Hey, I'm gonna talk about our spotlight is about the course the national holidays coming up tomorrow, June 10th. And did you know that more than half states were just in the United States were only recognized as an official public holiday this year? I mean, the newest federal holiday, June 10th, the National Independence Day for us Black people, which celebrates the end of slavery in the United States. But at the state level, governments vary considerably in whether they commemorate it as an official holiday, a day of observance, or something in between. Now, this year, at least 28 states in the District of Columbia will legally recognize June 10th as a public holiday, meaning that state of government officials or offices are closed and state workers have the paid day off according to um, a research center analysis of state human resources website, the state legislation, new articles. Now also uh, talking about Juneteenth, most states, uh, Juneteenth is designated as a permanent state holiday. In Alabama, West Virginia, Juneteenth has been authorized as a state holiday for this year by the governor's proclamation. Now the holiday came uh, became a permit in these states if the legislature's passes bills to make it do so. Now, in addition to D.C. and the states where Juneteenth is an official public holiday, other states giving certain government workers the day off, but haven't declared Juneteenth as a holiday at the state level. Now, starting this year, California state employees can choose to take Juneteenth off tomorrow in lieu of a personal holiday. And in Pennsylvania, the day is designated as an official annual observance and a paid day off for state employees under the governor's jurisdiction. And in North Carolina, some state workers can choose to take a floating holiday and as a cultural, religious, personal significance, which would be tomorrow for Juneteenth. That's my spotlight today, Juneteenth. Hey, y'all go out and do something special tomorrow. And Corey, that's my spotlight for today, Juneteenth. Now back to you. Yeah, I appreciate that, my brother, because I'm looking at my calendar. I'm like, you know, I'm off tomorrow. You know, tomorrow's Monday. I'm off, so I'm going to definitely do something tomorrow. I think there's a few uh, parades in my city. Let's go on and introduce today's guest. We have Cassius Butts. This brother is an Orlando native. This brother went to Morehouse in Atlanta. This brother spent time in the banking and the finance industry. This brother was appointed by President Bush to be a part of the Youth Department Housing and Urban Development. He was also appointed under President Obama, and he ran the Small Business Administration. And his brother served on the Biden-Harris transition team, um, the Small Business Initiatives. And on top of that, when we're talking about Fort McPherson, his brother was appointed by Governor Kemp, and he ran the local redevelopment authority. So without further ado, Cassius Butts, welcome to Black Men Sundays, brother. How you doing? I'm well, Corey. How about yourself? Oh, man, I'm excited to have this conversation with you, man. You know, as black men that listen to this podcast, man, we talk about it's a lot of business owners, it's a lot of entrepreneurs, it's a lot of brothers that are CEOs, but it's a lot of brothers that's trying to get their feet wet. So coming straight to you, man, how important is a small business to the U.S. economy? Well, small business, um, well, first and foremost, I would say thank you for having me yeah, on your show today. I appreciate the opportunity to always expand, uh, opportunity to um, spread 
uh, knowledge, wisdom, and, and also to receive it as well too. So thank you for that. Um, I, I would definitely would say that, that you know it's very important because over ninety nine point seven percent of our economy runs off of small business, and so you look at almost everything that we do. It's really it goes back to small business. If you look at a um, a Walmart or a Target or a Costco or Amazon. Those are the big names, right? But uh, really, it's thousands, literally thousands and tens of thousands of small businesses that are in that entity. And so small business is, is really the makeup of our economy. And uh, so it's, it's, it's very important. And it's very important that we uh, contribute to um, the opportunity to play uh, and, and, and really and also say play and, and really kind of, you know, be in the lane of our professional walk. If you want to be an entrepreneur, going to be a small business. You can actually do that. You just had to kind of get in the game. Well, you were appointed by Governor Kemp, chairman of Fort McPherson Local Redevelopment Authority. So basically, you guys uh, sold land to Tyler Perry and T.D. Jakes. Tell me how that came about. Well, it was an opportunity um, that came from um, the United States Army um, that had a pack red. When you saw um, military basins closing uh, throughout the country, uh, Fort McPherson, which is located in southwest Atlanta, closed and uh, several years ago, uh, almost two decades ago now, and um, the uh, the order was to sell it back to uh, persons who are interested in um, uh, in a place that can benefit the community. In other words, have some place where the surrounding areas of where the base is can be a part of the development. So uh, it just was an opportunity that came came about. Tyler Perry wanted to um, extend extend where he is now. He had the right to make that decision to do so. And uh, TD Jakes uh, and TD Rev Company, which uh, TD Jakes have had, has had his development company for a number of years, um, said that they want to be a part of that too. And so it just was a great opportunity that came together. And, uh, and so we're happy it's underway. Definitely, definitely. And also um, talking about Fort McPherson, what other future initiatives do you have underway? The opportunity that exists in Southwest Atlanta, um, uh, for Fort McPherson to uh, to benefit the community. And that's one of our, our goals and make sure that the community actually received a lot of opportunities to benefit that community. And so you'll see the development uh, within uh, Fort McPherson that is going to have a single family, multifamily, retail, and entertainment district all in one. And so it's the second largest project um, since the expansion of Hartsville Jackson Airport in Atlanta. And so we're really excited about it. Uh, looking forward to uh it being on the way. And so people can be a part of that opportunity. And also you're an author, you wrote exceptional being the exception to the rule. You know, it's blackness mm -hmm. Sundays. I'm trying to be exceptional every week by bringing guests just as, as yourself on. Cause a lot of brothers say, you know what? I don't believe it until I see it. I hear what you're saying, Corey, but bring some people on here that are living that life. And that's why we have guests like yourself on the show. So just talk about your book, uh, exceptional. Sure. So, um, and thank you for that. Exceptional is um, being the exception to the rules really starts as a premise of um, uh, a 1940s psych uh, psychologist by the name of um, Abraham Maslow, who actually was the author and the architect of high Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Within that, um, that paper, he also had a term that was called self-actualization. And self-actualization is, is pretty much when you have the opportunity to realize who you are, what your path is, and realize that, that you, you are comfortable being who you are. And everything that you do, every moment of the day um, and night, uh, you're actually living within your own lane, if you will. And so um, I really wanted to write a book where uh, people can take 
um, the benefit and benefit from that book of realizing uh, who they are through 14 steps of really, um, uh, you know, everywhere from one chapter is called checking your ego before it checks you. Uh, another chapter is called uh, having an internship mindset. Uh, another uh, chapter, uh, Corey, is called uh, You're Unique as a Snowflake, <laughs> you know, Embrace It. You know, and so it really talks about these different chapters um, or talk about these learning modules, if you will, about uh, whether you're in corporate America, nonprofit, if you're a seasoned executive, uh, if you're even starting out. Uh, this uh, this book is something that I believe that could be a benefit to you. So um, my goal was really just kind of to inspire and to make uh, change within um, anyone's uh, professional or personal walk. And so hopefully I'll have an opportunity to do that. You know, it's brothers out there that are in careers and they're like, you know, this career is cool, but I kind of have this other career in mind, but I'm not sure if I should take the leap, if I should, you know, how should I do that? So for brothers that are in careers or for brothers that are unemployed looking to get in careers, what tips um, would you give us? Initially, it's just really talking about really chapter one is where I go back with the book is, is um, finding your passion and really just following your passion, whatever it is. It could be, uh, it could be podcasting, you know, it could be in a medical field, it could be within sports and entertainment, it could be business, but whatever that uh, that passion is, you know, I would definitely would encourage people to um, just start working at your craft. You know, what does that mean? Uh, whether you went through college or you went to get a trade or, you know, you just had an apprenticeship, in any of those cases, it doesn't matter which route you, you've taken uh, to really have uh, a mentor who can kind of help you along the way. And I like to tell people, whether it's uh, any sort of business, you know, we have within our respective um, communities across the country, small business development centers, which are partially supported from the Small Business Administration. If you go to sba.gov and click on SBDC, you can actually make an appointment uh, to speak to a counselor one-on-one confidentially uh, when no, there's no cost of doing that. Um, and, or I like to say that you've already paid the cost of your taxes, right? And so, you know, there's nothing that you have to pay out of pocket for meeting with this individual for them to help you with their business. And that could be uh, someone who's helping to start you off with the, um, um, a business model or someone's trying to give you the guidance and direction how to go from here to here at the next level to scale up. But SBDCs are a great tool for anyone who wants to kind of start to figure out how they want to follow their passion and get to that next level. And as black men, I think it's, as I do this show, I'm learning as well. And I learned, you know, a lot of us, like, I'm not going to lie. I didn't really have a mentor besides my mom, but you know, as I'm doing the show, I'm have CEOs, have mentors. So, you know, who do you have as mentors for yourself? Yeah. So I, I definitely say for me, um, I, I was fortunate to, um, to have people along the way, um, who mentored me, who are not necessarily always CEOs at the top of the game. You know, I, I typically tell you, I'm poor, I'm somebody, you know, who probably spends more time with an administrative assistant than I will a CEO. You know, there's a lot of wisdom in folks who are actually opening up and closing the doors for people who are walking into those buildings that we walk in and out every day. And so I think that uh, mentors really come from a place, a person who's going to give you guidance, transparency, and encouragement. You know, it could be within your own place of faith, it, it could be, like you said, your, your mother, it could be uh, the neighbor, it could be uh, a teacher from school, you know, a lot of different places. But for me, I was fortunate to have a mentor, Dr. Lewis Lynn, uh, who wrote the forward to the book. Uh, he is a um, 30 year, he owns a 30 year old management construction company and also um, is the uh, a 
trustee at Clemson University. Um, Dr. Lynn is just one of those persons who just continued to instill uh, encouragement in me and try to give me that guidance and direction. Um, but I would definitely say that, you know, you can find a lot of mentors in a lot of different places. And I've learned that, you know, it's okay to have more than one mentor, you know. Um, and, you know, it, I also often come from the, the perspective, if you're looking to be uh, mentored by someone, then possibly somebody, you may have to be a mentor to someone, right? <laughs> you know, it worked both ways. And so um, for anyone who's looking for that, I would definitely say, first of all, start looking from within see what can you do to offer your services and your time, your effort to somebody else's walk. Most of the times it'll come right back around to you. Definitely. And brothers on Black Men Sundays love tips. So give us a tip or two that you've learned from your mentors. Well, one thing that I've learned is to um, not to judge, um, not to judge um, the uh, the expectation or the outcome. So what does that mean? Uh, if you go into any situation, uh, you got to go into it with the right mindset that there's supposed to be something positive that's supposed to come out of that, that moment, that opportunity, no matter how it is, no matter how it starts off, no matter uh, what challenges you're facing. But always look at it and in the end that you're going to, um, you may not achieve the goal that you thought you were going to achieve, but you may uh, acquire wisdom, you know, through that situation that you can either embrace yourself for the next opportunity or you can take that wisdom to give it to someone else where they don't make the same decision that you may have made. And so that tip to me is something that never gets old, if you will, but it just is something that I, I've learned to use more and more in just my daily work, personal and professional. Let's talk a little politics here. My man Kalali going to ask you some political stuff, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and get the ball rolling for my brother real quick. As I started okay. with, uh, you know, as I said, you were appointed by President Bush, you were appointed under Obama, and you served under the Biden um harris transition team so it's kind of like you are you red or you blue you know how have you been able to remain neutral but yet effective so for me um one thing that i've learned uh, throughout my professional walk is that if you go back to the first question we started talking about over 99.7 percent of our economy runs off of small business and when that what does that mean that means that there's no red there's no blue is green and so I have a mindset that I focus on um, the outcome from a business perspective. Um, I will consider myself or I'm considered uh, a trusted advisor to the folks who are on the left and the right. Um, I don't get into the nuances of politics. Um, I get into the nuances of successful outcomes. And so uh, for me, at the end of the day, I... Uh, <laughs> One of the uh, former, uh, he's long past by now, um, executives or entrepreneurs um, was Mr. Herman J. Russell out of Atlanta, Georgia, who uh, owned the largest construction company, minority construction company in, in, in the country. His sons and his daughter now run that company. Um, but Mr. Russell used to have a saying, if you don't have a seat at the table, you're probably on the menu. So for me, I choose to have a seat at the table. Uh, so I can help um, not only to uh, to digest the um, the opportunities that are set forth in front of me, but also to help other people along the way. And so I don't mind answering that question directly on, uh, but I do believe that there are some opportunities that um, we may miss out by paying attention or being blindsided by either one of those uh, colors that, you know, sometimes you need to see black and white, not red and blue. 
Mm, I kind of like what you said. You said, uh, because you know, a lot of brothers say, Man, Corey, I hear what you're saying. I'm just trying to get it, I'm just trying to get a seat at the table. So can you just yeah. repeat that line one more time? Because that was I was like, sure. Wow. If you don't have a seat at the table, you probably on the menu. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. So right. yeah. Definitely. So I'm gonna open this floor up. See, that's what separates Black Men Sundays from other podcasts. I don't ask all the questions. I got my brothers on here, but my man Kalali, I kind of set you up with the political, so you kind of got to go right now. <laughs> oh, I got to talk right now. <laughs> well, first of all, first of all, Cash, uh, just appreciate you coming on the show, man. So it's awesome for you to take your time out and come on and and, and you know share share some knowledge with us. Um, and talk with us and then also got to give a shout out to Spellhouse. my wife is a Spellman grad so anytime okay. I hear somebody talk about Morehouse and I got to give a shout out you know what I mean so there you go yeah definitely appreciate you coming on look I'm not going to ask you any political questions I don't know why Corey said that <laughs> said that I actually like you know I think it, I think it's spoken like you know those of us I think you I think you're in uh, public administration if I'm not mistaken um or that's what you have your degree in is public administration i have a degree in public policy and you know part of the things we do as you know analysts in those areas is you know some you know depending on who depending on where we get a chance to fit in we kind of try to stay outside of the political firefight and just say hey okay this is you know this is what the facts on the ground are if you want to talk about problem solving then this is how we can solve some problems um uh that being said the first question I want to ask you is, so you talked about mm -hmm. successful outcomes. How do you measure success or successful outcomes? I think, first of all, you just have to first look at what are you looking to have um, to be noted as success, right? Um, some people will analyze success in a, in, from a quantitative perspective. Uh, some people measure success from um, a sense of, you know, we are able to check the box, right? And some people measure success by, just saying, hey, I went through a situation, I learned from it. So for me, I, I kind of depends on the situation, what are we trying to accomplish? I'm gonna always feel like no matter what issue we're facing, we're going to be in a position to ab ab absorb and, and get some knowledge and wisdom out of it, right? And so, you know, I never take anyone for granted, um, no matter who they are, no matter how many degrees they have or how many degrees they do not have, or their job titles or where they're from, um, their socioeconomic status. Um, so success to me really just means, and, and I mean this in a very transparent way, if I'm able to wake up every day and uh, make a difference in somebody else's life, and uh, and I feel like, you know, I'm doing because it's the right thing to do, and not because it's popular or it's cool, that's success to me. Um, if, if I can look at back and say, hey, my family is fed, um, everyone's healthy, we're able to walk into doors that maybe at one point in time we were not able to walk into uh, offer a perspective of uh, just being a kind gentle human being where people can say hey i can appreciate who that person is uh, and they can go back and tell that story that's success to me right oh. and so i'm going to always be thinking of in, in that regard and you know <laughs> in, in the book you know will i ever have the chance to take a look at it that's what kind of person i am i'm just that transparent um, I'm not trying to walk in anybody else's lane, but I'm particularly exceptional being the exception to the rule means that there's a lane uh, that is just specifically just for you. Uh, and the cool thing about that lane is that there's no one in front of you. There's no one behind you. You can get to your destination as quickly as you want to or as slow as you want to. 
but it's yours, right? And so just owning it, right, at night gives me a sense of peace. And so that's success to me. So you spent some time like the Small Business Administration. Could you speak a little bit more about what the Small Business Administration is? I think a lot of brothers and sisters don't even know what the what, what SBA is. So. so just to take a step back, so I, I graduated from Morehouse College, appreciate that shout out, and uh, I got my master's degree from uh, Clark Atlanta University. Uh, in public administration, um, was class president during that time, led a lot of different initiatives that we worked on during that time. One of my mentors at that time was Maynard Jackson, three-time mayor of the city of Atlanta. Um, and I just said it was a calling on your life to be in this place of public administration. I just want you to kind of own it and be in that space. And so I listened to him and um, hopefully I was able to accomplish a, a couple of things that, that would made him proud. Um, but specifically getting to the point of, uh, at SBA, um, the United States Small Business Administration um, is a, an agency that actually helps to support uh, small businesses and do a couple of different things. But I'll say what part of the stumping speech would be, and that's through access to capital, uh, where you're looking to get capital for your business, um, you're looking to get um, capital to start your business or to grow your business, contracting opportunities, the federal government. Um, you know, if you're buying paper clips, water bottles, food, anything, the federal government sells it. And so, you know, we help to, for you to be uh, in a place where when I was there, we would help for you to be in a place where you can uh, be a a, uh, a supplier for the federal, uh, federal government to actually be a supplier to supply any of those different uh, proponents that I just talked about. Um, and so that's capital contracting and um, and counseling. And so I believe in the beginning, I mentioned, of course, that you know, having that one-on-one -on -one confidential counseling, whether you're speaking to a group of um, our affiliates, uh, which is with the Small Business Development Center or with SCORE, who those retired executives who help you with your business plans uh, and help to give you that guidance and directions and to possibly be mentors as well. That's what the SBA is is there for. You can always follow that no matter where you are in the country. You go to sba.gov, um, click on the state where you're located, and it can give you all those resources that are right in your jurisdiction. And again, the cool thing about that is that meeting with the great uh, with the people at SBA, particularly SBDC, there's no cost for it. You know, you pay for it through your taxes already, so you definitely should take advantage of it since you already made that investment in yourself. And, and, and I'm sorry, and also you asked me about some questions there, and I'm, I'm going to answer your question of that too. Um, so I was appointed as regional administrator for the, the southern uh, portion of the, the SBA. The SBA has 10 different jurisdictions throughout the country. My jurisdiction was the southeastern region where we had eight states, which was uh, that I managed, which is Florida, North and South Carolina, um, North Carolina, let's see, Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi. Kentucky. Um, and so within those states, um, we would um, help to get access to capital contracting opportunities as well as counseling opportunities. So being appointed uh, by President Obama was um, was an opportunity of, of a lifetime. Um, I was grateful for the opportunity, uh, really enjoyed it, um, but also really enjoyed seeing people um, manifest their business and scaling up and being doing something that was really, really great, you know, so Never forget it was a great opportunity. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. I I could imagine it was like an incredible opportunity to be able to uh to be able to participate in the Obama administration, especially in that way. 
uh, when I know that, you know, we know that, uh, you know, growing small businesses was, 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 uh, it was actually a pretty major part of this platform, though. I don't know that people talked about it as much as they probably should have. Yeah. So definitely thank yeah. you for that service, brother. Um, Absolutely. Well, it was, it was, it's one of those things, like you said, when you start to hear about what the SBA does and then people are like, oh, I had no idea. I didn't know. And to the administration's credit, to President Obama's credit, I was the first African-American uh, to be appointed into this role for Region 4. And so um, I don't take that lightly. Uh, I just knew I had a job to do. And that job was to make sure that we spread opportunities so more and more people knew about what we were looking to accomplish and how it can benefit them in their communities. Awesome. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, just just piggybacking right off that. So, you know, the, so, you know, that was for kind of people who don't know anything about SBA. For people who do know something about SBA, uh, can you think of something that maybe a lot of people don't know, even though, you know, they might know about SBA, like something that they just uh, don't know about small businesses or starting a small businesses that they should know? Well, yeah, I can tell you that a lot of times people think that SBA gets and disperses uh, money and um, uh, they do not disperse money. They actually um, ensure the money that financial institutions lend out. And so if financial institution ABC, uh, they may possess a, um, a a product, an SBA product. One may be the 7A loan or a 504 product. And so they will... Um, uh, offer that product to their customers. And so SBA, they say, they say we, we, I want to take out this, S, uh, this SBA loan. And um, the product is a 7A product. And so that means that SBA is going to insure, let's say, up to 80% of the amount of loan, which means you get to put down 20% uh, of, of uh, the amount that you're taking out. And so that guarantee, <clears throat> excuse me, gives the, um, the financial institution a little bit more comfort to say, if anything ever happens, then the federal government is going to support us and ensure us to make sure that we don't go out of business, if you will. And so um, I think a lot of people just may not have understood how that actually meant when giving out loans. Um, it doesn't come directly from the SBA, but it is insured through the financial institutions. That's awesome. Yeah, you just you actually just educated me because I did. I, I thought that I thought that the SBA actually, you know, dispersed the funds. So okay, so the SBA, what the SBA does is is essentially ensures and makes it and and manage or brings down the risk for financial institutions to invest in businesses. Okay, absolutely. Now, now there's another part that SBA does, and whenever there's a natural disaster for you all who are in in uh, in southeastern region. Um, or any actually other parts of the country, doesn't matter where you are. If you ever go through a natural disaster, the SC, SBA is the first agency along with FEMA to help you get up, get back on its feet. And some sometimes they give you direct loans uh, who, that does come through the SBA. And so, you uh, you know, just through the pandemic, there was the uh, PPP uh, that came from the SBA. So those were direct loans that came from, from SBA. Um, and, and so um, there was emergency disaster loans came directly from SBA. So there are some circumstances where it is a little bit different, where there is direct and um, um, disbursement of capital, but the traditional way to go through the financial institutions. You already mentioned a couple of ways, but uh, could you just mention like a way that you think that, uh, you know, in addition, actually, a way that you think that small businesses actually help with wealth acquisition? Like, like what role do small businesses play in, in helping to acquire wealth? Well, I think it's a combination between um, you know, there's one thing to invest in yourself to to ensure that you have a sound business and it's operating properly. But it's another thing to, to do two things. One, to make sure that you get some counseling 
uh, for the capital that you're receiving so you know how to manage it. And two, sometimes it may be that you're investing in property. And so I think that as a small business, if you're investing into real estate, um, you can actually make, make that happen. There's a product at SBA called the 504 product. And that means if you're looking to acquire the building and then have a business inside the building, where it's going to increase opportunity for jobs uh, for folks in that uh, particular jurisdiction where you're acquiring the building, um, that opportunity exists, is there. There's a product that that you could use to take advantage of. And so I would encourage people who are looking uh, at business um, and starting business, if you can look at something where you're acquiring the property, because acquiring more property does give you the stepping stones of generational wealth. One thing that we do know that they're not making any more of uh, is land, right? And so, uh, I just told somebody <laughs> that recently. Just told somebody <laughs> that recently. Yeah, it's, they're, just, they're just not making no more of it, at least not on this earth, right? And so, <laughs> if, if you can, uh, if you can get a, acquire uh, land and property, then get it, hold on to it, and um, make it work for you. Exceptional, being the exception to the rule. And I had to, I had, I, I just had to get one question. I'm sorry, I'm taking up so sure. a lot of time. I to take time. <laughs> I had to get in one more question because it's rare that somebody actually on this show uh, mentions Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And so I just wanted to, uh, I just wanted to ask you about that in terms of uh, um, uh, how do you think that like self-actualization actually uh, relates to wealth acquisition? Because some people get a bunch of money, right? And they, but they're not right. actually, they're still not actualized though. And then they yeah. have to earn, you know, on the back end. And then some folks, you know, so, uh, so yeah. So basically I asked the question is like, how do you think, uh, how do you think uh, 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 self-actualization uh, relates to wealth acquisition? Uh, well, I think it, it, it can go hand in hand if you look at wealth as being um, uh, the premises of, of success for you. Um, and keep in mind, self-actualization can mean, you know, that you're in a two-bedroom you know, apartment and you got a good bill of health, you don't have no bills, you know, you, you got food in the cabinet, um, your loved one is just hugged you as you're walking in the door, you're sitting outside looking out, out in the window, looking at the sunset, you know, that has nothing to do with wealth. But what it does have to do is wealth of, of the mind and wealth of the soul. And so both of those can actually go hand in hand as well too. And I think that many, for many of us, we start to think about chasing um, the um, financial components of wealth because we typically have used money as a tool uh, for success or for peace. Uh, but really self-actualization is really looking at peace uh, as a premise for your own path. In other words, if you, the more peace that you're in, uh, the more that you are really self-actualizing. And if you're self-actualizing, you're in more peace. And so the goal is to be in a peaceful mindset uh, as best as you can. And sometimes the tools for success and um, financial freedom can come through, um, uh, through, through money, through, through wealth, um, but I think it, it 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 would not be a night without a day. It would not be a day without the night, which means that it's going to always um, be turmoil at some point in time. But like, what happens is, like you just said, how do you manage it, right? How do you manage going through all of that? How do you manage through the ups and downs? And I think you have to take the wisdom uh, from when you're down, you know, so when you're up, you don't forget that when I go back down, you know, I know how to climb out of this valley, 
right? And um, and just get to a place where you just, uh, and I'll say it like this and I'll, I'll end it like this. And we all do it, but we kind of take it for granted. Life is a journey. It's not a destination. It's just a journey. And if we can actually enjoy the journey as best as possible, that's what it's all about. Yeah, no, that's definitely a gem right there. I hope people got that. Yeah. That's definitely a gem you're dropping right there. Like I said, man, that's that's it for that's all the questions I have, man. I just again appreciate you taking your time out to talk to us, man. Definitely enjoyed your conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you, and thank you for the questions too. Oh, for sure, man. For sure. I definitely had to pick your brain on some of this stuff. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, I'll say this before even asking any questions. I'll I'll say this for you, Corey. Um, as I begin to wrap up, you know, first of all, you know, thank you for what you do as an individual and as a human being because you're giving opportunities for other people to hear um, about their travels, their successes, and uh, how they can actually make a difference within somebody else's life other than themselves. And from the, um, the interviews I heard previously, I, I, I've heard a consistency that it was not easy, but I've heard a consistency. Um, last year, I was talking about he brought his wife home with him and said, hey, I have someone here to support me. Whoever it is that supports you doesn't matter, you know. Um, as long as you have some kind of support. And so thank you for um, choosing your lane um, and time out of your schedule to enhance the lives of other people and bringing your friends on too, because, you know, I often tell people don't start a business by yourself. <laughs> you got to have somebody to balance it off. It's like riding a bike. You press one side, the other side got to get pressed too. So, you know, thank you for, for, for doing that. And, and um, as a wrap up for me, I just kind of think that, the more and more opportunities we have to really um, spread words of encouragement and wisdom and support, um, no matter what you're facing, you know, you can come out of it uh, in, in its due time. So you now I appreciate for what you do. Definitely. And I appreciate you for coming on the show, man. And before I let you go, I got like two more questions. Um, yeah. The last question is always the fun question, but, but I kind of want to jump back in that book. You said have an intern's mentality. I mean, think about it, man. Yeah. I've been on my job over 20 years. What you mean have an intern mentality? I'm like, intern yeah. why would I do that? And I'm a veteran now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so, so I'm, I'm going to break it down to you this way. And it's, it's real simple. It's real easy. So um, you may have your day job, right? And But you may have things that you're passionate about. And I think a lot of times those go hand in hand. So really, I first heard a, a term years ago. I can't take credit for that. It was Sean Puffy Combs who said it. We said, man, I always work with an internship mindset. And so a lot of times if you remember how hungry you were when you were the intern to get on, to get the job, right? The things you would do, the work you would put in, the nights of studying, you know, just having the anticipation, just like, yo, I want to make this happen because I want to get to that place. I want to be a part of it. That's usually an intern's mindset. You know, interns usually not that person is necessarily compensated properly or well. Let's just call it it is what it is. Or sometimes it's free, right? <laughs> sometimes there's no pay at all. And so you're working to get to that next place. And so I kind of feel like if you always have that intern's mindset, uh, the internship mindset, you're going to always be putting in enough work, work that is worth uh, your own value. And you can take that same mindset and put into perhaps something you're doing now on this particular podcast because that's something that you're passionate about that's something you believe in and it's something that you know you can make happen right but the only way that you have to get to that place of being here like if everyone just wanted to do what you do or 
even at your job, they, they can do it, right? But who's going to do it best? Who's going to be the leader of the pack? Who's going to be separate from the norm? And they, that's going back to, again, about being exceptional. Who's going to be the exception to the rule? You know, you, you, like you said, if someone's been on a job for 20, 30 years and they're good at being a job and they retire and they get them a nice gold watch, whatever, and they often the sense that, okay, great, cool. But if you want to get more out of that than just a certificate and a watch, everyone, I believe, has something to offer. Everyone, I believe, has something to receive in addition to, to that. That's just what I believe that people put in place to say. I remember, you know, many, many years ago, thinking I had some relatives who were in that place, like, oh, I'll just retire, I'll just do this, I'll just do that. Now, what are you passionate about? Because that's what you're truly here for. That's what you're truly here to accomplish, the things you're passionate about. And when you're passionate about it, you have the internships mindset, the psychological rewards of that, when you actually see the fruits of your labor come into place, it makes you want to get up earlier. It makes you want to stay later. It makes you want to work harder. It makes you feel like you don't feel the sweat and the pain when it, when it comes in between saying, hey, these are tough times. Why? Because you're following your passion. You're being the exception to the rule. My brother, that's what I'm talking about. And actually, I got, I got one more question before the last yeah. one now. Because, you know, you in Orlando, a native. What part of the city are you from, man? <laughs> sure, I'm from Rock Lake, man. Rock Lake, West Orlando. Okay. Yeah, Rock Lake okay. Drive, right off what? of 10th Avenue. Yeah, I know exactly where that is because you cross the street, the Magic Mall, right over there. So, yeah. That's I right. That's about right. That. Yeah, I'm, I'm more so west side, like high Wassey West over there, you know, Pine Hills I'm area. Pine Hills. But I'm, but I'm, I'm a popka right now, you know, homeowner okay. now. So I had to, had to elevate a little bit, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, look, it's all good. I went to actually, um, I went to Richmond Heights Elementary, Robert E. Lee Junior High uh, with the Edgewater, you know. And so, yeah, that Orlando's home. Uh, my brother, we were in the same household, but when we moved, he was going to um, Oak Ridge. And, uh, and actually, we, I went to Memorial in seventh grade and then we moved and then I transferred to Lee. He stayed at Memorial because he was about to finish ninth grade and ready to go to high school. So then we went to Oak Ridge. And so yeah, you know, that's that's home, man. You know, I got much love for anybody from from Central Florida. It's um it's a beautiful place. Um, you know, it's a place where I just kinda helped me to, to get my start of where I where I am today. I mean, I was in all kinds of stuff like, you know, uh future business leaders of America. I was in um, young men of tomorrow, junior achievement, you know, all that stuff, man. It just was great, great times. And really had a lot of great friendships uh, that developed um, coming out of Orlando, too. So I'll never forget it. Yeah, definitely. You know, we was Morehouse and it's so hard. I'm like, we got to bring them back to the city before we close the show. Now they're going to be looking at me like, come on, man, what you doing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. And my last question for you, brother, did you enjoy your yeah. time on Black Men Sundays? Oh, I had a great time. I had a great time, not just talking about it, I had an even greater time just listening to the questions and just hearing you all uh, with the wisdom and, and seeing, seeing the young man jumping in with his daddy. You know, me, I'm always, it's always exciting to see, you know, relationships and people come together, you know, for a greater cause. So, you know, we were able to accomplish that today, then it was all well, well worth it. Definitely. Well, cash is butts, man. Thanks for coming on Black Men Sundays. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time, spending some time with us. And with that said, we out of here. Peace. All right, bro. Y'all take care. It's a black man, son.